When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The knockout stages of the FIFA World Cup are well and truly underway. How good it's all to play for and there's no room for mistakes as the men are separated from the boys. Earlier today... That great team, France, advanced through the quarterfinals. And coming up soon, England, will they be taken at home? Hope to join them when they face Senegal. And to help us discuss the FIFA World Cup is Ben Ransom from Sky Sports UK. Morning, Ben. How are you? Yeah, good morning. As you can imagine, very excited. Uh, <laughs> not often is it that a World Cup game comes around, a knockout game. So, yeah, we're uh, counting down to kickoff now in this part of the world. Yeah, Ben, it's been an interesting World Cup so far. Is it true? We've just heard that uh, Raheem Sterling has left the squad. Have you got an update on England for us? Yeah, well, he's not left the squad as far as I'm aware. He is sitting out of this game. Um, essentially, he's got a family matter to deal with and they've given him leave. So we don't know what that is. That only uh, broke in the last kind of, what, half an hour or so. So that is relatively new news. But what it does mean is that he is not going to be available to play and he's not in the squad to face Senegal in this last 16 game for England tonight. What's the feel like at home? Ben, what's the feel like? Is 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 it all the you got the most passionate uh, football supporters in the world? Are they confident? Is everyone confident this England side has what it takes to to push on into the into the playoffs? I, I mean, look, England football fans are never confident uh, in that sense because we've been waiting so long <laughs> for any actual success. I mean, look, you you probably cast your mind back to the Euros and going into that final against oh, Italy. Um, there was not it. a lot of confidence, even though there is optimism. Um, but look, I think I think really, if you boil it down, England should have enough quality to get past Senegal. That's only man for man, though. When you look at the team and what they've achieved, England getting to the final of the Euros, this is a team that has grown in recent years. They know how to play tournament football. But you've got to say the same can be said for Senegal. And this is where I think the threat and the danger is, in that Senegal went and won the Africa Cup of Nations. They are a group and a team that know how to get through Knockout games, one-off encounters, penalty shootouts. I think they had two penalty shootouts en route to winning that final, including the final itself. So they know how to win tournaments too. And I think that's where Gareth Southgate has obviously decided with his team selection, he's going to be a little bit more circumspect in midfield particularly. Jordan Henderson coming in, I think, is about trying to control the game as much as they possibly can. Are you, are you happy, Ben, with the formation that he's using? Redford out on the left there, Kane in the middle, um, do you think that that's the best shape that the English side have? 
I think so. I mean, pre-tournament, all of the talk was whether he would go back to playing the 3-4-3, which worked so well in most of the, certainly the latter stages of the European Championships. And before that, it worked really well at the World Cup in Russia in 2018. Um, but it's a bit more negative. England have struggled to create chances. Certainly in this calendar year, we were pretty poor in a competition called the Nations League, which is this newfangled mm. competition to get rid of way of, get rid of friendlies really and give some meaning to them. But it means that you play better opposition. But England really struggled this time around. Um, so going to a back four just frees up the players in front to be a bit more attacking. And we saw that in the first game. Now, admittedly, it was only against Iran who had their own problems at the time. But England played very well there. And then likewise against Wales. I don't think Wales were really in that game at all. So attacking-wise, it's worked better. There are still a little few question marks over defence. Gareth Southgate, in that run to the final of the Euros, was all about defensive solidity, staying in games, being cute, I think is his word when it comes to uh, these knockout <laughs> games. But I'm, I'm encouraged to see him stick with the 4-3-3. I think it enables the likes of Saka, Foden, Kane and Bellingham to really get involved and hopefully that will be where England can win this game. All right, let's talk about the rest of the tournament, mate, because no doubt you'll be casting your eyes over the next couple of games. Look, there's a couple of surprises in this round of 16 that not many would have predicted, particularly myself and Kempe, because we were out of the sweet stakes. But that's okay. <laughs> Any more upsets that you can potentially see happen, or do you think that just the, the powerhouses will come to fruition and, and soldier on? No, I mean, I think the games we've seen so far have been the most one-sided in terms of the draws, I think, actually. I mean, look, we all expected the Netherlands to beat USA. That happened. Yep. We all expected Argentina to beat Australia. And although Australia had that fantastic chance at the end, oh. they, they were really brave. The Lionel Messi show was in full force, wasn't it? And they came through. And obviously, the one we've just seen, Kylian Mbappe inspiring France, obviously, to, to get past a fairly average Poland side, Robert Lewandowski, outstanding. Um, so England-Senegal is the first potential slip for one of the big nations. I think England should have enough there. But actually, when you roll into the games to come, I mean, look, Japan-Croatia, I mean, to me, that's a, that's a coin toss. Croatia have been fantastic in recent years, but they're an ageing team. And Japan have been brilliant. I mean, to get out of that group was testament enough to how good they've been. They've, they've, they've already shocked a few, and I don't think they'll be underestimated. I think Morocco, Spain, Spain in some senses are lucky to be through, aren't they? They were at one stage in the end of that group stage, just Costa Rica were actually dumping them out. So again, they'll oh, no. have to be a lot better against that Moroccan side. Um, and Portugal, Switzerland is no foregone conclusion. I think the only one I'd say is guaranteed. I think Brazil have looked pretty good. I think Richarlison in particular is pretty good. And I think that they'll probably have too much for South Korea. Um, but the rest, I'd say, are in the balance. And I would, I would throw the England game into that mix as well. Unless England start well and score early, you can see Senegal causing them some problems. So actually, this is the really intriguing part. We've got teams from all around the world, a contrast of styles, all meshing in this last 16. And actually... At this point in the tournament, it's about as exciting as I can remember a World Cup being. Hey, hey Ben, just touching on that, you've got the Bundesliga, Germany being bailed out, you've got the EPL, you've got all those great players going through it. Obviously, the Serie A and, and the Spanish sides are still in it. And talk, not talking about the South Americans and their, their football as long with the Asia Cups, but what about the A-League down here in Australia and the way the Australians have come through the, that, to that 16? Have, have you seen the effect of the A-League on the World Cup? in this tournament? I mean, I, I think that Australian group's done really well because from this part of the world, being brutally honest, not a great deal was expected of that Australia team. Now, 
That isn't yeah. in any way disrespectful or arrogant. That's just looking at where the players ply their trade and comparing them to where other big nations have been able to uh, call upon players from. I mean, we haven't got as many Aussies, for example, playing in the Premier League as we would have done maybe 10, 15 years ago. There is no Tim Cahill, for example, who this superstar who's doing it in the Premier League on a global stage and then dragging Australia through. Um, <laughs> but as a group, I think they were, they were really well. They obviously went with a game plan, be very organised. And to get out of the group was fantastic. And to do it the way they did too. Because having to win their final two matches was... I mean, that's as much about resilience, mentality, team spirit, uh, tactical now as anything else. So credit to them. And yeah, I think you, you have to give credit then to the domestic league and the way that's growing and the way that the players technically... Because watching some of the Argentina game, for example, that was a game against... An absolute giant in terms of not only Argentina, the form they bring into the tournament, but also Lionel Messi in the form he showed in this tournament as well. Technical ability. And yet at times, watching the Aussies kind of play out from the back, be brave on the ball, um, I thought was, you know, was a real credit. And that shows how far that team's come. And I think we've seen that in many of the teams. We've seen a lot of what we traditionally say smaller teams come up against bigger, established, uh, historical, strong sides and actually show them that the gap has closed. And that can only be yeah. down to improvements technically, coaching from a young age, academy systems, and also domestic leagues as well. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it comes down to the domestic leagues for sure. We've got the A-League down here and, and yeah, I think it's absolutely flying. It's showcasing with Argentina just getting over Australia. If it wasn't for that little mistake by the keeper, which for me... I don't know about you, Ben. That is a weird tactical decision there to go kick back to the goal. Every time it happens, I, I get the... Well, I get nervous. I get nervous because you can see yeah. what happens. It just backfires, mate. Absolutely backfires. All right, quickly, before we let you go, let's talk um, Let's talk favourites and let's talk Brazil. Is this Brazil's to lose? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking France. Back of me is thinking France is going to go back and win back-to-back World Cups. Is it Brazil's to, to lose for you? No, I mean, look, I, I think I'm with you. That Brazil have impressed me, don't get me wrong, uh, in the group stages. Mm. Um, but look, France, look, with Mbappe and with that attacking threat, with that experience as well, they look like they're on another level. Um, the curse of the champions has already kind of been diminished because I think it's the last, what, last three mm. or four World Cups where the champions haven't even got out of the group. Um, they've blown that away. They've looked really comfortable. The fact they were able to rest so many players in that final group match and then come back and bring all the big guns back in and, and, and batter Poland like they did in real terms today, they're the real threat. Obviously, from an England point of view, if we get through Senegal, then France away. So you'd like to think England would be the toughest test they'd face. And maybe we could frustrate them a little bit. But in Mbappe, when you've got World Cups are about individual star players. So often, in my, even in my life, when you think back to the great World Cup winning teams, there's always been an individual that has mm. kind of dragged the yeah. team through in difficult moments. Messi's doing it for Argentina. Mbappe's doing it for France. And that, to me, says everything. Those two teams, I think, could be on collision course. I thought you were about to say it. Ronaldo's doing it for Portugal. <laughs> I mean, Ronaldo's throwing himself on the floor and winning penalties, if that's what you mean. <laughs> oh, just quickly before we let you go, what's your, what's your take on the Ronaldo situation and the, the astronomical money that has been thrown at him? It is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it, it is... 
It is rather. I mean, I've obviously, as you know, I'm, I'm based in Manchester, so I've seen a fair amount of him. I covered him returning to Manchester United, the fairy tale return. I've covered that first season when he was all right. And I've covered the last kind of 12 months when he's really gone off the boil. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. He's not the player he was. He still thinks he is. In his mind, he's still the greatest player in the world. But that's not true. I mean, even statistically, before he joined Manchester United at Juventus, he actually made Juventus worse when he joined them in, like, in terms of their press, in terms of the, uh, the stats around attacking threat, in terms of the points they won per game. Similar thing happened at Manchester United. So it's a really difficult one to marry up. He's still got a lot of quality in small moments. But for any team to take him is going to be a big gamble. So you can see why it's only teams really in the Middle East, specifically Saudi Arabia, that are looking at it. Because a player like that really should be commanding the best teams in the world fighting for his signature. That isn't happening. Yeah, you did right. It's a marketing ploy from Saudi Arabia. Al Nassar, 200-odd million a year, right? Ridiculous amounts of money. Ben, we appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your thoughts on the Football World Cup. Just want to say it, mate. Hopefully it's coming home. Good luck. Let's hope it's coming home. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Oh, Sally, Sally.